Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Joss Golden. And today we are returning yet again to Alita Salter's amazing list of Where Parenting Principles of Learning, which is on her website, whereparenting.com. And we are now on number 10. And, and I'm sending you love before you, before you even hear these words. This is, this is quite a big episode, this one. So she says, stress and trauma can interfere with the learning process by causing confusion, anxiety, grief, anger, and difficulty concentrating. The learning process is enhanced when children are allowed to release painful emotions to the natural healing mechanisms of play, laughter, and crying. Mm. <sighs> so <laughs> we thought we might start the episode by just acknowledging again that everybody's circumstances are unique and that there are lots of situations where people are having to send their children to school And that, of course, Aware Parenting recognises that when children experience stress and trauma, they can heal through these powerful, natural, innate mechanisms that they have, and we can support them to do so in lots of beautiful ways. So if you're in the circumstance where your child is at school, then we are just wanting to acknowledge that, of course, any traumatic experiences that happen to them while they're at school can be supported to be released and healed by your lovingly applying all these amazingly beautiful tools of aware parenting and at the same time we want to say as well that in this approach where we're looking at natural learning and aware parenting together we are also recognizing that often keeping our children away from experiences where they're going to be experiencing stress and trauma and preventing them from having stressful experiences is also really important and is best served often when we have them at home and they're not going into the school environment day in day out where they are experiencing stress so we just want to hold both of those things at the same time in this podcast is there anything else you want to say about that Marion? I love how you articulated that Joss and well really to return to the basic you know the three aspects of aware parenting that again Aletha talks about you can find it on her website and number three that healing from stress and trauma that again we can often overlook that actually part of that is emphasizing the prevention of stress and trauma where possible so of course there are many times where we're not able to do that but in situations like this for some parents it is really possible to not send their children to school environments where they are repeatedly experiencing stress and trauma and mini traumas every day often and I think the other thing we wanted to add is really that Again, we can go back to Aware Parenting. It's got models for everything, hasn't it? The beautiful list of three reasons that Aletha talks about. It's originally the the three reasons for challenging behavior, but really the three reasons for all behavior, looking at information and needs and feelings. So what we're offering here, again, is information, which is so, so important. We, We need this information to understand what happens, and we're particularly going to be focusing on learning and trauma today. 
And also we can be deeply compassionate with ourselves when we receive that information. So again, there's a difference with aware parenting because perhaps in another modality, it might be receiving that information and then being harsh with ourselves or judging ourselves or shooting ourselves. But really what we're differentiating out is we're offering information and we really want to acknowledge the importance of your needs and aware parenting is all about finding ways to get everybody's needs met in the family. And often that's really tricky in this culture that most of us live in and then the feelings aspect. So it's of course, you know, really important for us as parents to also to have our feelings heard or listen to our own feelings in relation to this information, which may also be really feeling into the extent to which our own learning process and capacity was thwarted by the stress and trauma that we're experiencing often daily at school. I know, imagining we're going to be talking about that from our own experiences too, as well as seeing um, perhaps if your child is going to school or has been to school and you see that the impact on their openness to learning or their spaciousness to learning and the feelings that you might have, or you might be in a position, as we talked about at the beginning, where where at the moment there doesn't seem to be any other possibility but to send your child to a school where you do see them coming back with lots of big feelings and you do see their clarity of thinking and learning and spaciousness for taking new information being deeply affected. So just, you know, lots and lots of love and compassion always to, to all the feelings that anyone might feel when they listen to this episode. Mm, I love how you spoke that, Marion. Thank you so much. And I just want to say again that in this process, even though we've been doing practicing these two things together for so many years in the family, it wasn't really till this year that I fully understood the impact of the stress and trauma that I experienced at school on my capacity to learn. And so if hearing this information for people who are listening to the podcast is also making them aware, possibly for the first time, about the impact of, of the fact that at school they did experience stress and trauma and the way that that impacted how they feel and how they were able to learn and how they show up in the world now, then we also send so much love and compassion to you going through that process too because that's a big deal. And even you know, in our Aware Parenting and Natural Learning community, that month on healing our own school hurts was was so powerful for so many of us. So, yes, just sending lots of love for that aspect too. Oh yes, Jocelyn, I'm so with you. Like I've only really become deeply aware of that this year as well, as we've dived deeper into this, and the extent to which those school experiences and just stress so often in terms of being graded or marked or compared and all of those ways that that gets in the way of us being able to openly explore the world and and take in information and learn and engage and that may show up in many many ways in our here and now life whether that's being on a podcast or standing up on a stage or starting a new job or learning new things or just you know anything that we might do as adults and those old feelings will often bubble up often fear or anxiety or terror in, in relation to actually experiences that will remind us of 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 school times where we were tested and judged and all of those horrible things that often still happen yes and I mean even for us just speaking on this podcast brings up feelings along those lines too because it's about we are talking about something that is not the norm by any means and it is speaking up against the system which takes me right back into my younger parts at school having to 
never stand up and offer a different opinion or you know any of those types of it's where you're out speaking outside of of what is expected of you so yes that's true and I think I do also want to say something about how so I didn't learn very well at school I didn't learn much at all but I do recognize that lots of children do learn lots of things at school and it is possible for children to to learn well in that environment but what I see is a big difference between learning with that openness that you're talking about where you're experiencing joy and wonder and incredulity and passion and openness versus the sense of of learning in that school environment which is often so restricted by that sense of coercion or fear or comparison or you know having a deadline or you know, for an exam or any of those things, which has got a completely different feel to it, that kind of learning. It really does, doesn't it? And it really just, let's say, I don't really like the word ruin, but in a way it does, it ruins learning, doesn't it? And I think often we see studies, don't we, or we hear about people saying, you know, little children when they're going to school and they still have that excitement and they want to learn. And so often because of these outdated ways of looking at children and learning over time there's more and more stress and there's more trauma and there's more accumulated feelings and we'll often see then that 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 joy and that passion that interest can start to fade as as like it's like oh the almost like the drudgery of learning which is like one of the biggest crimes almost isn't it because learning and doing stuff that we love and being driven by our passions and immersing ourselves in things that we just you know that we gap when we just want to you know imbibe the stuff and learn about the things is when when that goes or when that's tarnished or basically kind of covered over with lots and lots of feelings it's, it's such a loss for any human being isn't it let alone for us as parents to witness that experience happening to our children mm. yeah and of course it does in in the school environment because well, for many reasons, but one of the reasons is that our children, when they're experiencing stress and trauma in school, they have to learn to to dissociate from those feelings because it's not a safe space to, to share, to express those feelings. And as a result of dissociating from the painful feelings, they also learn to dissociate from the non-painful feelings. And so they, it sets up this pattern where not only are we protecting ourselves from the feelings of fear and pain and confusion and jealousy or you know all of those painful feelings we're also dissociating from those feelings that are such a source of joy in our life like excitement and happiness and joy and all of those sorts of things too so it really kind of numbs down our experience of being alive yes because even that isn't really welcome is it because I mean some children might be loving learning about I mean I know there were certain things at school that I did find I was really fascinated like I did history at school and I remember being really fascinated like really understanding Henry the eighth and that whole thing and but equally we might just want to almost like stand up and go oh my gosh I'm loving learning this oh you know you know like we would as adults oh, I love this it's so oh, I'm so interested and did you see that this happened then and la 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 and yet we may be you know being made to sit down and be quiet and not talk at particular times and again, preventing the actual wondrousness and the joy of learning things that we are really interested in and that we just, yeah, it, it's such a joyful process, isn't it? Mm, yes, yes, it is. And of course, there are some schools that are, you know, having a very different approach where there is this sense of 
listening to feelings and and being more like Lael's beautiful school, for example. But yes. generally, the vast majority of people's school experience is in in public school system is is pretty uninspiring when it comes to learning, and certainly feelings are not welcome, and so the traumas are are accumulated rather than supported. Yes. And it's so different, isn't it, from natural learning? I can think of so many things with my children where they just loved learning about something and they just want to spend loads of time learning it and they're immersed and they're they're like sponges taking in all the information. They just like spend many, 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 many hours. And to see that still, that process still intact and to be able to support them into to just doing that for as many hours as they want to, I think is the most wondrous thing it's almost one of the most wondrous things in life isn't it to go I'm so interested in this you know like us with aware parenting isn't it I'm so interested in this I want to read every book on it I want to do every course and I want to do everything I can possibly I want to think about it I want to talk about it I want to make stuff about it I want to write about it I want to talk to other people about it I want to share it with people it's like you know we're both we've got huge smiles on our faces <laughs> we talk about that because it's the most wondrous thing to love something and to be able to engage in it in all those myriad of ways which isn't just one way it's lots of different ways including conversations and contemplation and you know not just reading and writing and that's the most wondrous gift that we have almost in in the in the world to be able to do that with with things and to actually see our children doing that like I see that with my son who's 16 he's passionate about everything Japanese so he watches programs that are in Japanese he's learning Japanese has been for years not not out of any you know he does that you know they both do that as well my daughter at 20 still teaching self Spanish just because she wants to and has done for many years and they use this the Duolingo app which I don't know if you've Mm. heard and yeah yeah, they're still doing it they're still doing it year they've been doing that both of them for years and they're so passionate about it so it's lovely isn't it to witness that and I know you've seen the same with your children it's the one most wondrous thing that they just get to spend as many hours and as many years learning what they really want to learn mm. yes yes yeah and with such joy and excitement and openness and yes it's completely different <laughs> so contrast so sharply with yeah that my experiences at school yeah absolutely yes um, we so, could talk even more a little bit, couldn't we? Oh, sorry, but about the actually the way trauma actually, it's so not only the school environment, but the school environment or traditional schooling and then stress and trauma and how actually, and you talked about this, if we are dissociated or in, we're in hyperarousal, basically it makes it really hard to think clearly, doesn't it? Unless, I, I know for some children, I think they can almost kind of, that almost becomes a control pattern, like thinking actually, so and which can be a really useful one, like really being completely dissociated, but they still manage to actually think in a way that, you know, they can do really well in school. You know, I, I certainly know many people who've really managed to do that, but there's often a different, it's often a different form of thinking, isn't it? Compared to if we don't have a lot of accumulated feelings or we are, you know, we're supporting a child perhaps to release a lot of those feelings the process of thinking and learning is quite different from that more just kind of, you know, really logical. Can you can you add something to that, just to help clarify yeah. what, what I'm trying to say? Well, I think it, it might be helpful even just to go back a step from that and just talk a little bit in case I don't 
people who are listening just to talk a bit about how Aletha explains what happens to us when we experience stress and, and trauma and experience, whether that's big, big traumas or, or mini traumas and what that does to our bodies and how we can respond really either by going into this hyper arousal state where we're very overstimulated, there's lots of adrenaline and, and we are really going into that fight, flight, running away from a tiger type response, or we can go into this more freeze kind of dissociation response where we kind of play dead basically in order to survive. And these are very basic physiological processes that are going on in our bodies in order to make us help us to survive from when we're experiencing things that are stressful. And so this can be whether, as I said, whether it's a big trauma or whether it's like a mini traumas can also be pushing us into these states. And if we don't have the opportunity to complete that trauma response by using these powerful healing mechanisms that she talks about, moving our bodies in, in, in certain ways, crying, laughing, those sorts of activities that are these powerful innate healing mechanisms, then these feelings get trapped in our bodies, basically. And then when we are put back into a situation that somehow reminds us of that initial trauma, even if it's just in a little way, our body goes straight back into that response. So those, that same cascade of, of neurochemicals goes through our bodies, pushing us into that same, that same state. And we can all see in our own children when they are having huge releases we can't reason with them in that state. You know, you can't talk your child out of a, a trauma, traumatic response kind of tantrum. You can't, it, it's not the time to start getting them to think straight and getting them to try and understand what we're saying. It's, it's a time when they really need to go through that whole process to, to get those feelings out, to complete those movements and to allow the release of those neurochemicals and those stress hormones through our tears, for example, and through sweating and through shaking and all the other things that Alisa speaks about so beautifully. And so we can understand that if our children are going back into this environment in school where they are experiencing mini traumas, it is pushing their bodies back into those states. And as a result of that, they are unable to really think clearly and rational and so that's what she's talking about because these these physiological experiences create in us these feelings of as she says confusion anxiety grief and anger it does make it impossible then really to think rationally and to concentrate and to be clear mm, and i'm sending us all so much love and compassion as we really mm sit even if that information isn't new I think hearing every time and to really you may have memories as, as you're listening to this or it may make sense of something that you've seen with your child to really understand this is something we cannot we can't really force through we can't force through like if a child is in a state of dissociation or hyper arousal that is their body doing what it really needs to be doing in that moment in that situation and to then try, you know, added on top of that to to be coercing a child to learn or to be telling them they have to do their homework or they have to do this test or they should be, you know, writing down these 10 things. It puts it puts us in a very difficult position. It puts them in a very difficult position because it's like trying to force something which is actually the opposite of what our body is communicating, which is I'm in a state of stress still, or I'm being reminded of a past stressful or traumatic experience. And actually what I most need now is support to heal from that experience. I actually most need loving connection, a warm, 
loving environment that welcomes feelings, some attachment place, some connection to actually, as you say, to move through and complete that process to release the feelings and the tension, to then come out the other side clear and open and spacious and actually being able to take in information again. And it, it's so obvious and clear, isn't it? I remember that so many times with my children when they were younger. They would be maybe feeling frustrated not being able to do something and and just you know and then I'd support them to have a really big cry and then they'd go back to that thing without all those stress hormones sitting in their bodies and actually be able to do that thing because they were able to think clearly see clearly but relaxed in their bodies so that they could move through to to make sense of what was going on and that's the kind of clear thinking we really need in this world right now don't we we need people who are relatively free from pent-up feelings created by or caused by stress and trauma to be able to think in creative out-of-the-box ways we need to be able to come with that open spaciousness to oh here's this issue that needs solving (laughs) what can we bring to it but which is very different again from Yes, we may be able to kind of almost override and thinking is is a control pattern. It is one of the ways we can stay suppressing our feelings, but it's a very different form of attending to an issue. Like we can think, but it's not that kind of creative, open, spacious thinking that is really where the true creativity happens. Mm, yeah. And as you're talking, it's making me think of experiences in my children and in myself when I've had I've been really frustrated by something, by not being able to get something. And those painful feelings that that then brings up in me just completely interferes with my ability to to think clearly and to be be able to find solutions to or explore whatever it is that I'm wanting to explore. Whereas instead, when when I then see that as a sign that I've got feelings and I take myself away and give myself some compassion and some listening, I'm then much more open and able to to, to work through and by get past whatever it is that's that's been causing it to be difficult. The other thing I really thought about when you were talking was around how the separation aspect of school. So it's not just the fact that you're in school and the experiences that you're getting in school that are causing trauma. It's also the fact that we're separated from our families, ex- separated from that space where we have that emotional safety to be able to express feelings and separated from those, denied those needs for attachment that we have throughout childhood by being separated away from from our parent parents and the way that our bodies often in that set state still desperately need that sense of emotional safety and desperately need that sense of attachment and therefore will seek it in the school environment often like attaching to peers in a way that is really unhelpful it can be enjoyable for for children but often that over attachment to peers can result from this sense of of separation and rupture in the attachment that they're getting day in day out from their parent and the damaging impact that that then has on on who we are and how we feel and how we learn Mm, yes we both read hold on to your kids many years ago didn't we by Gabor Mate and Gordon Newfield is it yes Um, and uh, such an impact uh, effect on me as I know it did on you just to really understand again what's happening and yes exactly as you say that not only are children's bodies then feeling the stress and trauma and then actually the most natural thing is to then to to release that through crying and raging is that they often don't have that emotional safety 
around because most schools aren't set up to be places where you can actually cry and rage and be supported in that. I mean, it would be quite unusual, wouldn't it, in most for most schools to be a place. It's often the opposite, isn't it? Because on the top of that is often because also not only for the teachers, but for other children who have also often been shamed or punished when they had big feelings or distracted in most you know with you know loving intentions but often for a child if they go and they do start to cry perhaps I remember for myself I often actually wanting to cry when I was at school and then the the um you know, the shaming that can often happen or the, you know, you're a baby, why are you crying? You know, all of that stuff because they've internalized that same, they've been shamed too. And just how painful that is, the layers and the levels that we needed to go to, I'd like to you know, speak for myself, to then suppress, dissociate even more from actually trying these beautiful ways of trying to heal and then probably adding on extra, you know, internalizing that with more self-judgment, which I certainly did. There's something wrong with me because I want to cry most of the time, or I feel terrified most of the time, or dissociated. But I didn't really know what that was then, and couldn't <laughs> have no way of articulating it. But it's it's really so often, isn't it, working against these beautiful natural processes that children are born with, which is so different again with natural learning. That yes, our children might still be learning something, and they might get really frustrated, or they might feel overwhelmed, or they might want to cry or rage and ideally not always but ideally we're going to be in a position where we can listen to those feelings and they're not being judged or shamed and they're not internalizing beliefs that there's something wrong with them but they're being supported to see this is the most beautiful healthy wonderful thing that you're doing can you imagine that <laughs> i'm actually getting some reparenting here too imagining that mm. all the times i needed to cry at school, even at school, even if I'd still gone to school and needed to cry and there was someone right there in the classroom who'd just gone, well, we would all been crying all the time, probably, wouldn't we? <laughs> just been cry, cry fests at the desk. <laughs> yeah, but I'm interesting how that then impacts us as adults. And so often with the, the women that I'm working with or the parents that I work with, and I know in myself as well, that we have this such a it can be so hard for us to connect with the, our own powerful healing mechanisms and we mm. develop these strong protective behaviors to to keep us away from expressing feelings and as a result of that in school that really impacts us as adults and our ability to heal our stress and trauma and so again if you're listening to this I'm wondering you know what whether yeah we can just offer ourselves so much compassion because it, it is so difficult to not come out of a school environment with the belief that there's something wrong with you if you cry that we shouldn't be expressing feelings and that nobody's there to listen even if we have feelings to share anyway so we just push on and get on with it and how destructive that is it's so sad and I'm doing a course at the moment about boarding school trauma because I was at boarding school for 10 years and I'm finding it really interesting and one of the things that she was talking about this week was about how there is a, a statement from some governing body of, of boarding schools about how we make a deliberate effort in the first two weeks of term to make sure that the children are extremely busy so that they have no opportunities to, to feel homesick. 
and that's the policy of the school so you know it's inevitable that's all kinds of control patterns of busyness isn't it and you think about I mean we're both from England but think about that that English culture that that was definitely around from for many years wasn't it which is like people then go on to be often business people very busy busy business people which is a very apt word and with big control patterns of busyness and then just working all the time and then it gets passed down again and again and again doesn't it unless we do something different as you have Mm, mm. and yeah then I'm thinking about all the children sitting in the classroom doing whatever they need to do to survive the the feelings that they're having and having to suppress inside their bodies and perhaps they're they might be being naughty or you know, naughty in inverted commas they might be you know getting into trouble they might be just sitting very quietly and withdrawn and being very passive they they might be flicking their pen they might be tapping their foot they might be you know all of these twiddling their hair picking their nose biting their nails all these different things that they're having to do in order to keep those feelings at bay and how powerfully that contrasts again with when our children are at home with us I mean, the only times that my children had to suppress feelings was when I didn't have capacity to listen. And that happened, of course, but frequently I did have capacity to listen and frequently I did have capacity to move in with attachment play and laughter. And so anytime things came up for them, I was not anytime. Often when things came up for them, I was available and able to support them to use these powerful innate healing mechanisms to release the stress and trauma. So not only are we not putting them in an environment day in, day out where they're experiencing stress and trauma and not able to release it there and then, we are also supporting them anytime anything comes up that feels painful for them to be able to release that and move on. So it's just, it's such a sharp contrast, isn't it? Yes, on, on both accounts. It's so different, isn't it? As you're speaking about the about that separation, I'm thinking of being out and about and seeing like little school trips with very small children in large groups with, you know, often just maybe a teacher and maybe one parent and just seeing all the things that are happening and thinking, oh, that is a lot, isn't it? It's a lot every you know, five days a week to leave home, to do all the things that are required before that, to, you know, to get ready and get up and be up at a particular time and put on particular clothes and put on shoes and all of the stuff and to, to go. Just a lot for a nervous system or a body, isn't it? to go through every single day I mean, just so much and I just think of all for most of us the huge amount of accumulated feelings we would have had even by age seven or eight or nine and just like to to almost the managing of that that we needed to do and the the incredibleness that we we all got through it most of us you know in all the ways that you said we would have needed to do a lot of stuff wouldn't we to mm-hmm. just keep those feelings at bay when actually the most natural normal thing would have been to just yeah to cry and to rage and to mm-hmm. resist and to say I don't want to be here I don't want to do this and yeah we did amazingly yeah. We really did. But what I also notice is for myself, it's not until I started really doing deep healing work through practicing aware parenting that I actually noticed that I was able to learn in a really easy and joyful and healthy way. That was the first time in my life that I'd really been able to learn anything in a way that I enjoyed that didn't feel stressful or didn't feel, even as an adult after school, 
I tried to learn lots of different things and I had learned lots of different things and been at uni, for example, but I never really enjoyed that learning process. And I never really felt relaxed in that learning process until I discovered aware parenting and started aware, re-aware parenting myself. So I can really see from my own personal perspective, what a powerful impact these healing mechanisms have had on my capacity to learn and, and the experience of learning. Yes, me too. I'm remembering a few years ago, my daughter and I, we were going to pottery lessons, you know, on a wheel. And again, I saw the real difference because her, she's just like, you know, sometimes it will wobble off or and actually shoot the, her, the quality of presence that she, that she had, which then radiated out. If anyone's ever done potting on a wheel, you know, our internal state and quality of presence has a huge impact on what shows up on the wheel. And I'd see that in her. And then every now and again, it would start wobbling everywhere and I get frustrated and then I'd start just telling myself you know, I can't do this and I'd go into old younger parts of me and old experiences and I'd really need to do quite a lot just to actually be able to stay and keep doing the pottery whereas I saw for her it was just she was there and it was she was just there being present and being with the process and there wasn't all all of that overlay of you know trauma and painful thoughts in relation to to what was happening she's just like oh this you know she just be in the moment into the to that situation so it's just so wonderful isn't it to be in a learning process without with carrying way less past baggage into I don't even like that word but yeah feelings basically from past learning experiences so mm. much more wonderful and that's with my experience, also with many, many years of healing, still, I still, I mean, nowhere near it shows up, nowhere near to the extent it used to, but it still does show up for more healing to happen. So again, to prevent that as much as possible so that our children can go into learning experiences, just open, open and spacious, that's that, mm. and, and to life open and spacious, that is amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's such a different experience to witness somebody learning without all of that anxiety and stress getting in the way of, of the experience. It just looks completely different, doesn't it? And it feels completely different for the person and it must be a much more effective way to learn. Um, yeah, it's such a powerful contrast to learning with that sense of coercion and, oh, Judgment. You're going to be marked. Yes. Yeah, you're going to be compared to everyone compared. Else I can't do it. You could do it. They could do it. It's horrible. It's. I mean, so, almost. I'm sorry to interrupt, but almost like if you could think of the things that would get in the way of learning the most, many schools have the exact things that actually get in the way of learning the most, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, stress, coercion, being told what to do, lack of choice. Lack of connection, lack of opportunity to express feeling, comparison, judgment, shame, blame. <laughs> the list goes on. And then isn't yes. it such a paradox? And we were talking about this earlier, weren't we, Joss, that, that uh, again in this culture it's seen, there's a, there's a core belief, isn't it, that the way children learn is to go to school when actually from an aware parenting and natural learning perspective, schools, most schools are actually set up to prevent uh, learning happening effectively and mm, wonderfully yeah yeah absolutely and yet it's so it is so extraordinary that that is such a widely deeply conditioned belief widely held deeply conditioned belief that yeah school is the best place for your children to go to learn and yeah increasingly after all these years i i, I think exactly the opposite 
and school is the worst place for children to go to learn. <laughs> and of course, understanding that if your child ha- is at school and, and that is your choice or that is the circumstances that you're in, that you don't have any other choice, that of course there are so many things with aware parenting that we can do to support children with with their learning and to, to minimise the impacts of the, the failings of the school system. Which might include seeing how much choice that you do have. Like, can you can you send them to a different school? Can you? So we had we both actually had Nick Wilson, who's an aware parenting instructor. She was on your podcast recently, your aware parenting stories, and I talked to her on the aware parenting podcast recently, and she shared in in the many many things that she supports her daughter with to lessen the effects of stressful experiences at school. So you know, it's still. Yes, there are amazing creative ways that still can happen. And I think part of that is really still understanding this so that supporting parents to see they are actually powerful and they can say no and they can set up different alternative things. And, you know, I I know someone who's in Victoria in Australia who children go to school half time and half time do natural learning at home. So again, you know, to to really we're wanting to give you information so that you can see is there something different that you can that you want to do and that you are willing to do and we so support you in in doing that if that's the case yes and sending so much love too to to the parts of you that perhaps grew up in a very harsh authoritarian punitive disciplined environment or or schooling that led you to believe that you don't have the power to be able to question the authority, that you don't have the opportunity to go in and say to the school, this is actually not working for my child. And and all of the big healing work that we have to do to unpack all that so that we can turn up and be our child's ally at school and, and to really advocate for what they need most in that environment. It's a lot, it's a lot to do, it's a lot to unlearn. And as you say, this culture doesn't support us at all to to ever have any sense that we can decide for ourselves what we're willing and not willing for in terms of our children at school or, or any other aspect of our life. So it's it's a big process. And yes, I really admire Nick and, and all the other aware parenting instructors, of course, that come up with wonderful things to support their children at school. And I come back to this principle of aware parenting that Aletha specifies in her principles, which is about emphasizing the prevention of stress and trauma too. So doing whatever we can to prevent that. And you know, I think we're both really passionate about having our children at home and doing natural learning with them is the most powerful way of preventing those experiences of stress and trauma. So yeah, both, both things. Yes. And and all the ways that happens, I really love that you mentioned the separation piece because I think so often we can, again, as we as we do that deconditioning process, even the idea that children should be separated from their families from quite a young age, and that that's kind of a normal process, and that if you know the whole thing, we could do a few episodes on that, can't we? In terms of that term, separation anxiety that we both did psychology degrees and separation anxiety, what it actually used to mean and what it now, when it's now it's become a mainstream term is not actually at all what it was originally meant and, and what we would actually often perceive what's going on from a aware parenting and natural learning perspective. Mm. Actually, it's really normal and natural for children to want to be with their their family, if the, especially if the family is, you know, obviously if the family's, in dire straits then actually for some children it might be like the most helpful thing you know for very disadvantaged 
families that might be actually a really helpful thing for children to get to be in a school environment. But for, you know, for many children in many families, of course, they want to actually be at home. And, you know, if they have siblings, even if there's challenges with siblings, which actually often reduce or, or you know, almost go away completely with aware parenting and natural learning is that it's just really normal and natural for that to be the preference. You know, like for us, they're it's really normal and natural. And and again, that whole school, mm, the beliefs are, aren't they, that it's really normal and natural. The children should be separated. And if they if they are upset or don't want to go to school, there's something wrong with them. Or if mm. they are behaving in particular ways, they'll get, you know get diagnosed with things rather than this is really normal and natural and healthy that they want to stay at home and be with the people that love them the most and know them the most and where they feel the most safe and they're in their own warm environment. Mm. Yes, so much. And like you say, the separation anxiety that is now seen as a, as a bad thing, like that there's something wrong with your child if they're experiencing separation anxiety. But in fact, of course, they experience anxiety at being separated from their primary caregivers yeah so clear isn't it so obvious yeah and and that children are being separated now from their families at such a young age you know most lots of children now go to like preschool or or you know daycares and so on and again that's often through circumstances that parents feel that they have no choice and, and often they do have no choice but the impact of that then on being separated at such a young age is 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 huge Huge, and I'm thinking as well about other aspects of aware parenting, like the the, the non-punitive discipline aspect. The, the second uh, main principle or aspect. I always forget which one's I know, aspect. I do so too. Aspect, aspect, me too. That's aspect. It's an oh, aspect. A for aspect. We can remember <laughs> yes, that. A is the first one. <laughs> yes, is you know, not having punishments and rewards in the family, and instead looking for underlying needs that might be impacting, and looking having peaceful conflict resolution in the family, and all that kind of thing. Well, the school is the exact opposite of that, isn't it? I mean, the school environment is even the best schools have some degree of punishments, threats and rewards in order to get children to to coerce children into behaving and to manage the behavior of, of large numbers of children in one place at any time. So it's an environment where day in, day out, they are being subjected to punishments, threats, bribes, rewards. And and very rarely is there a, a, a system that addresses conflict in a way that is really healthy and supportive for children. I mean, even at, when Sol was at kindy, and even though it was a really beautiful alternative school and they had this sort of restorative justice approach when, when situations arose, the reality was as well that day in, day out, children were, were punished and, and shamed or, or coerced and, and rewarded or threatened and sometimes those even weren't spoken necessarily, but the, there is the un, unspoken sense of, of some kind of threat of something bad happening to you if you don't do what you're told or what is expected of you. So that is, again, such an important aspect of aware parenting. And it's, it's whilst we can have that in our families, when our children are coming home from school, of course, we're not practicing punishments and rewards and we are having this peaceful family conflict resolution but day in day out they are in an environment which is deeply punitive yes and I think again the it's under 
overlooked that how how painful that is like i remember when i did i first did some inner well my inner loving presence process in relation to being judged at school and i hadn't really ever looked at that before it was quite some years ago and i remember being actually really shocked to really feel into how deeply painful being at the receiving end of being judged even just once by a teacher or a, a peer at school is and then realizing, oh my gosh, that would have happened thousands and thousands of times, and and that's painful. That's there, you know, children feel real painful feelings, and yet after over time, less, you know, we get we protect ourselves from those, but they still have an effect, and those feelings accumulate and accumulate, accumulate. They're big, they're big hurts. That's that's stressful. That's that's a mini trauma being being shamed being laughed at you know all of these things that happen many many times when children are all together in an environment where their feelings are not being heard so they're also I mean half of it isn't it is where other children are hurting each other because they're they are hurt themselves they so all the all those horrible things that happen often in the playground that again are overlooked just saying oh that's how children are no that's how children are who are feeling stressed and who are trying to somehow get through the day by just you know the little barbs the little comments the little jokes the little shaming just the the being excluded all of those things that that many of us experienced at school are they're they are stressful and again how are we going to go from being in the playground where maybe something like that's happened to then in a classroom sit down learn this do this do this test write this down i mean it's just the more I think about it, the more I'm just amazed at, at, I think, how little we understand how traditional schooling is creates huge amounts of trauma for that most of us are still carrying around that still have incredible impacts on our relationships, on the ways we show up in the world, on you know what's going on in the world, because we just don't see it because it's just seen as that school. You just go to it. It's fine. We're all fine. We're all fine. Everything's fine. Rather than... My God, how did we even, I even think now of walking into a, a high school, for example, or a secondary school. And I just can imagine the level of stress I would feel on my body just to be in that environment again now. Anyway, that was mm. long, wasn't it? But I got on my no, soapbox because I'm passionate it was, about it. <laughs> that was just, I'm so clear as well. I love what you were saying. And I think you were saying, you know, that children behaving harshly to each other in the classroom or in the playground is seen as that's just children being children. And I think we can say, you know, these experiences, these incredibly painful, difficult experiences are often seen in our culture that that's just childhood. And you have to just, you know, it toughens you up and it makes you resilient and all those sorts of things. But actually, I'm thinking now about the punishments that I received at school and it was really, really harsh and terrifying, actually. You know, we, the boys at our school were sometimes beaten in front of us. And, you know, we were, we had, I spent hours standing in the dark outside the headmaster's study at night because that was our punishment. You had to go and stand outside the headmaster's study and then, you knew that he would walk past and go into his study and you knew that you were waiting there and at some stage he would call you in and then he would like you know tell you off for being naughty and how disappointed he was in your behavior and so on and it was terrifying because we had this (laughs) there were these myths these sort of stories about the school being haunted so you're standing this is like at eight nine years old standing in a dark corridor at night in a school (laughs) that apparently is haunted and about to be humiliated by this this person who is so unkind and and so mean 
open heart. And I just remember being in basically a constant state of terror. And no wonder I couldn't learn. I mean, really, you know, and 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 he, the work of healing that has been such a long process. It's taken me 30 years and I'm not even there yet. So it's just I'm I'm so glad that my children have been spared these terrifying experiences and I know that I mean my schooling experience was really extreme most people don't have anything like that kind of extreme environment and they get to come home at night as well which is such a huge benefit where they can be supported with aware parenting to release feelings but still those that my children have been free of those experiences where they've been put in environments where they've been frightened that somebody was going to do something harsh to them where they would be punished where they would be shamed or whether it would be bribed and coerced and rewarded into doing something that they didn't want to do and denying their own innate knowledge about what they really wanted to do or what they really felt like and putting those needs aside in order to please somebody else. I'm so glad their childhood has been free of that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I only say, you know, there's been lots of difficult things in our family after, you know, their dad and I separated, but still, it's despite that, and despite that, I see the impacts of that and too much screens and blah, 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 still, I'm so glad that they didn't experience on the top of that what I experienced in school and, and the impacts mm. of that and the, the ways that restricts their capacity to learn and do what they love in the world. Mm. How did we? I just don't, every time we talk about it, don't you find? I'm just like, oh my god! I'm just, I can't even. I actually have suppressed, dissociated from so many. I can't even remember like one experience of being. It's interesting that told off, in other words, you know, shamed, punished at school. It might have happened so many times, but you know, it's just a general sense of fear and discomfort, and you know, I remember little experiences, but not any oh no I do actually remember one yeah I do remember one we had a really scary woodwork teacher I remember her that's the that's so interesting isn't it to have experienced it thousands of times and yet to have dissociated from that so anyway mm, yes oh, but it's so gosh. painful and it runs so deep and like you say you do so much work healing all these things and yet those pains are still there and yeah, you know, I have so many memories of these sorts of experiences and, and being really humiliated in front of the entire school sometimes and that sort of thing and, and children would be picked on and have to get up in the dining room and walk out where everybody's watching and that kind of thing and it's just it just I know how oh, the impact of that trauma is just so deep and so profound and so excruciatingly painful and yeah how it how it gets in the way of learning it it does so yes yes so how beautiful that we are regardless of whether our children are at school when we're practicing as aware parenting and particularly if we're practicing it together with a, a natural learning at home we are removing our children from these experiences that are stressful and traumatic we are preventing this stress and trauma as much as we can and we are supporting these powerful, powerful healing mechanisms to to take their course so that and we're developing these beautiful close relationships where our kids feel the emotional safety from us. And it's just yeah, it's such a beautiful, beautiful way of supporting our children and having our families and creating love in our life. It's just amazing. Ah, oh, so is, isn't it? Hmm. 
I had I have one little more memory. I'm even thinking about it's so interesting, isn't it? So I'm wondering if our listeners, maybe you're having memories bubble up and again, if you are sending so much love to you. I'm remembering an experience in assembly and feeling absolutely terrified. And I can't even remember what, but just again, so much the, the shaming. And I think as well, the undercurrent of shame, the shame or judgment that might happen that really, yeah. uh, I think so often keeps children in a in a dissociated place because it's horrible isn't it or just like well if I do this what can I do and what will I do you know if I do that am I going to get punished and if I do that am I going to get excluded from my peer group and you know rather than that freedom to just be themselves and to yeah express themselves I always loved don't you and we used to do more kind of hangouts with natural learning focus that that you could always tell that like then when we were walking down a street or something because they'd always wear like really different clothing and have like really unique styles whereas often I see with more children at school often it's you know everyone there's more of that fitting in and I was to always love that it's like oh you can see the you can see the homeschoolers because they like wearing outlandish things and different things and just like really expressing their unique individual interests and passions and preferences I love that so much yeah and then that contrasts again so powerfully doesn't it with the school where they're often in uniforms and they're not so it's not just fear of of being different in school and, and what that would subject you to but also the the actual culture of the school denying any kind of difference or individual expression Yes. Or even if there aren't uniforms, often there is a thing, isn't there, of like needing to like have the latest whatever it is, branded thing or whatever the, the latest fashion is and really needing to you know to be included and how important that is when your peers are often the yeah, become really, really important in a way that it is kind of different from mm. that natural learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, and I see my kids, my kids both quite like clothes and having lovely things and they like, you know, thinking about their outfits and so on and much more than I ever did, but that's something that they really love. But it's not from this place of anxiety of, oh God, what will others think of me? It's just from a space of, oh, I really love this. I enjoy that. I like this, I like this type of clothes or I like this look or whatever. So it's, it's, it's not with that same stress attached to it. Yeah. I've got one more memory showing up. This is always like personal therapy. I remember <laughs> when I was doing my psychotherapy trainings, that was when I was from 24 to 30 and it was long weekends away. And before every weekend, I would be filled with this fear in relation to what I was going to wear, what clothes I was going to take and how I would be, you know, how I present myself and what people would think. And I think that so often that was so much from school experiences. So, mm. Mm. so painful. So painful. And I'm thinking as well like about all the ways that our children, because these healing mechanisms are natural, so often our children will try to use these healing mechanisms to heal, and yeah. yet those attempts will be thwarted by the environment. And I have a, a memory of being at school. We used to have to go and sing prayers and sing hymns and prayers in the morning. And we were in this hall that had an upstairs balcony sort of gallery, and all the older children would go upstairs and the younger children would be downstairs. And we would have these hymn books to read from. 
And if anybody dropped their hymn book from the upstairs, it used to make the teacher, the headmaster, so angry. And so one day my friend and I decided that it would be really funny if we got everybody in the gallery at the end of the song to drop their hymn books and how hilarious that would be, desperately looking for some attempts to heal and to, to counter that sense of control and power over us all the time. And it came to the end of the hymn and her and I dropped our books and nobody else did. <laughs> and so we got pulled out in front of the school and shamed and punished and but you know there we were just looking to have a bit of fun and to, to bring some laughter and lightness to all this oppression and coercion and um, so yeah so often it's not just that we get this sense that if we cry we'll be humiliated it's also that often trying to bring some laughter and play and lightness it doesn't go down well in the school environment at all <laughs> often more shame and punishment just as you experience in you the the children that are you know what the words you know they're acting up or they're being silly or they don't then their reports you know they never sit still all those things all are amazing bodies trying to either exactly you know play release through laughter and play or move trying to actually release some of that all those feelings created by all the stress and of course, these days, increasingly, children will be diagnosed as having something wrong with them or a medical condition or a behavioral disorder or a psychiatric disorder. The, the, the criteria, the diagnostic criteria are getting wider and wider all the time to include any of these children who are displaying any of these behaviors that are actually symptomatic of the stress and trauma that they're holding in their body. And, and often those children will now be medicated. So in addition to feeling that pain, and not having the opportunity to express those feelings, in addition to being in an environment where day in, day out, they're adding to those stress and traumas, they then have the added stress of being labelled and then being medicated in order to take them further away from their natural healing mechanisms. It's absolutely heartbreaking, isn't it? It so is, isn't it? You know, and just to say, for some people, diagnosis, you know, is a helpful thing that parents or families find important or necessary to get more support. You know, what we're talking about really is really understanding that this, for so many children, it's actually what they're saying is this system is actually traumatic for me. And they're trying to communicate that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. That's actually what they're, they are, the, the canaries in the mine who are saying yeah, and that's the painful thing, isn't it? When when children, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them, and their beautiful, natural, healthy healing mechanisms are in in operation, and they're seen as something wrong with them, rather than actually the system itself is deeply flawed. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes, of course. <sighs> Anything so cheerful? To... <laughs> cheerful to finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess just the incredible resilience and, and we, you know, we're testament to that too, aren't we? The incredible resilience of, of all of us human beings to that when we are supported in ways that facilitate our natural healing mechanisms, whether that's in the moment when our children are at home with us or whether that's after they've come home from school, it is incredibly powerful to use this beautiful techniques of aware parenting to facilitate healing, release 
uh, and recovery from these stress and traumatic experiences. And so there's a huge sense of optimism that actually children who are supported in these ways will be completely fine. And that, you know, as parents, I just think we all need so much compassion for whatever it is that we're experiencing, whatever choices we're having to make, whatever it is that we are facing in our own unique families and not compared to any other family, but actually just what's going on for us. Just sending so much love and, and compassion and, and empathy for, for the, the difficulty of, of trying to do this in a, in a culture that doesn't understand this at all. Absolutely. And that it is never too late to heal and that we can retain or regain rather our capacity to be open and spacious to learning. I mean, look at us. I mean, we're us two are like evidence for that. Look at us. At this age, we've learned how to do podcasts and we'll learn all kinds of other things in ways that we really enjoy. And yeah, yeah so also never too late to heal. No, and I just want to say as well in relation to, you know, fa- families whose children are at school who who have special needs, how Obviously, there's a, there's a space for professional support and, and guidance from people who really know what they're talking about and can help you mm-hmm. and your children. And that practicing aware parenting is also enormously beneficial for these families too, in their own unique ways for their own unique children. So just wanted to say that as well. Mm-hmm. Ah. Would you like to share about your offerings, <laughs> lovely Joss? Yeah, so what am I offering? So again, yeah, Danny and I are opening up our Exploring Aware Parenting community from the 24th, I think, to the 25th to the 30th of November. The doors will be open again for that. And the community is so beautiful. And there are lots of incredibly inspiring and gorgeous parents in there sharing the things that are going on in their families. And we're exploring all the different aspects of aware parenting. And Danny is amazing. She's really embodies aware parenting so deeply. So that's lovely. And we're going to be talking about control patterns for month three. So if you start then, that's what we'll be discussing. Of course, you'll have access to all the other stuff too that we've done so far. And my aware parenting teenagers course is also starting on the 28th of november so the first live round so that's also available that goes into all of this stuff specifically in relation to teenagers so yum such gorgeous two offerings you have love them what about you lovely marion what have you got Mm, i've still got places available for my aware parenting instructor mentoring so if you're wanting to become an instructor or you already are and you'd like lots of extra support both emotionally and practically to do all the practical things that can be really helpful to get the word out there and to make a living as an aware parenting instructor i'm offering that at the moment amazing amazing i'm so grateful that there's so many more aware parenting instructors becoming in the world just yeah if you are an aware parenting instructor or thinking of becoming an aware parenting instructor i just want to say i'm so grateful you for your support Mm. for all these years marianne i just there's no way I would be in the world doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for you and empathy and your practical support as well. So do oh, it, everybody. Oh, do it. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, well, lots of love to you. If you've got <laughs> feelings right now, and well, if you've got an empathy buddy, I invite you to go and share with your empathy buddy because it's really normal and natural for us to feel big feelings. We'll be just now we'll be chatting with each other and sharing with each other. And we really invite you to do that. And just so much love and compassion to you. Yes, lots of love. We have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too. 
We are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information. To find out more about Marion's work, you can go to marionrose.net. And for Joss's website, it is awareparenting.com.au. We wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures. Mm-hmm.